Welcome to Pridescape, the official podcast of Pride Northwest, home of the annual Portland Pride Waterfront Festival and Parade, and much more. Each month, we will be bringing you the latest Pride Northwest updates and important news and information affecting Oregon and Southwest Washington's LGBTQ community. To learn more about Pride Northwest, visit our website at pridenw.org. And now your host and executive director of Pride Northwest, Deborah Porta. Well, Deborah, it's Pride Week. How are we doing? <laughs> We're doing fantastic, Ann. How are you doing? <laughs> you know, I'm hanging in there. And this year, we've got so much going on. We are kicking off tomorrow with Pride Picks down at the lot at Zydell Yards. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. This is probably the thing I am most excited about because it's a new partnership with the directors of Portland's QDOC Festival. We have come together to curate two full days of LGBTQ plus themed films out at Zydell Yards. It's an outdoor mini film festival. You can find more information about the films themselves and reserve tickets at aftontickets.com forward slash pride picks. But it's a full selection of uh, features and shorts. Molly and Deb over at QDoc have done an amazing job of pulling together a fantastic show. There'll be concessions for purchase, beverages, spaced seating pods. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to, the weather is going to be beautiful. Perfect. I like how it, the weather cleared up for us to record the parade and then it rained, which we needed. And then now it's going to clear up again, just in time for the film festival. <laughs> yeah. Looking out for us out there with that rain. That's right. Exactly. Oh yeah. We're going to need that big time. <laughs> uh, and you know, so we've got pride picks coming up on Wednesday and Thursday. Then we have a whole slew of events for this weekend. We've got the Portland gay men's chorus with the 2021 pride concert chasing rainbows. We've got Resonance Ensemble with We Hold Your Name Sacred. And then we've got Pride Vaccines Against COVID-19 on Saturday also. And then Sunday, we've got two more events for you. We've got the Portland Pride Parade 2021. You can watch on Zoom or on Pride Northwest YouTube channel. And then to finish out the evening, the Pride Weekend, we're going to have the Portland Pride Virtual Main Stage. So to learn about all of these events that we've got coming up, be sure to go to portlandpride.org. See all how you can sign up to enjoy all of these fun events this week. Thank goodness for websites. We don't have to actually memorize all of this. There's just a lot going on. And and just to be sure, folks, the... Uh, the events that are happening this weekend, Portland Gay Men's Chorus, Resonance Ensemble, the uh, Virtual Parade, the Pride Stage, those are all virtual offerings that are free to attend. I just think it's just going to be a great week. I think so too, Deborah. Yep. Awesome. We'll see you guys online. I'm super excited about our guest this month. Ian Morton is the executive director of Q Center, having come to that role just a few months ago. Ian's arrival comes at a critical time for Q Center. Q has experienced several years of instability and, dare I say, chaos in the last few years. Uh, whoever takes on the role of steering the Q ship into more solid territory, much less to being the community center that our community needs and deserves, is taking on a large and complicated task. I've been fortunate to have a number of in-depth conversations with Ian, and I got to tell you, I think Q has made a good choice. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Ian Morton to the show. Hi, Ian. Hello, Deborah. Thanks so much for having me. Sure, sure. Thanks for being here. How's your day? 
it's been pretty good. Yeah. Meetings this morning, but all heading toward, um, I think, some good projects. Hopefully, the fingers crossed around getting some COVID vaccine clinics here at QCenter. Right on. So right on. yeah, that's um, we're we're looking into that. We had some great uh, great talks with uh, with OHA this morning. Other things, uh, another partnership that I've been hoping to build with a friend that both you and I know, Deborah. I, I won't. I'm not going <laughs> to fully spill the tea yet until they have a chance to uh, announce it. But a certain tea period V period in our life uh, may be bringing a, a well a very welcome addition to Q Center. Uh, if you caught all that or not, but uh, uh, so yeah, so it's it's all I, everything is is great today. Right on, right on. Well, before we we go into a little bit of depth about what's happening at Q Center and kind of where you're going, let's back up for a second. Introduce you. Yes, you are not only the new executive director of Q Center, you are also new to Portland. Maybe share a little bit about your background and how you came to be in Portland. Absolutely. Um, well, so my move here was from San Diego, California, where I had lived for about 23 years. I moved out there in my early 20s, and now I'm 49 <laughs> years old. <laughs> right. I'm very proud of, of being for of being 46. I had um, I, I just finished uh, my undergraduate degree at San Diego State, where I went back a little later in life, having had a, a false start. And whenever I was 18, right. um, I think we did. Yeah. Join that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, and I had all, uh, my partner and I had intended to move to Portland, um, and had made that decision in December of 2019, never having been able to imagine that we would have been making that choice in the middle of a pandemic. Right. Um, so, uh, the reason that we came up here is my, my partner's interested in, and, and, eventually going back to school at OHSU. And um, we also wanted to be closer to his grandparents and we uh, who live in Idaho, and we love the Pacific Northwest. San Diego has a certain sort of stark desert beauty about it and uh, a lot of sunny days, but give me forest primeval any day of the week. And <laughs> I, you know, I can I can drive for 10 minutes pretty much anywhere from Portland and be able to find a nice trail that yep. gives me that good hobbit experience that I read about back in the day. So that's how I've always imagined where I've imagined my life. So the beauty and the proximity to family are what brought us up to Portland. Um, right on, right on. Yeah. So what were you, you obviously your executive director now, what, um, what were you doing in San Diego? So before I went back to school, um, I did a lot of work generally in advocacy. My very first uh, crack at it was back in Knoxville, where I had gone to college the first time around in the 1990s, doing um, urban prevention outreach for HIV and AIDS. Mm. Um, And as most people I think know, in the South, we were a little bit behind the eight ball getting accurate and current scientific information. So it was really just, yeah, I know, but, you know, so in, in the mid, in, in, in the mid nineties or when that was happening, you know, we didn't have a lot of information. So it was just doing our best to try to ask young people to behave as responsibly as their hormones would allow them to. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, that gave me a taste for advocacy. And then when I moved to San Diego, um, I worked for a small independently owned HIV uh, specialty pharmacy. And I found a lot of that time was really going to bat 
with insurance companies because mm, um, okay. medications were coming out and they were not wanting to pay for them. So that's kind of where I, I got that taste and realized that the the care bear mentality that I had as a child uh, was starting to manifest itself in my adult leanings. Um, I really wanted to just help people. Um, so that's that's kind of informed what my jobs have been like uh, as far as working as in the HIV community when I was younger and then eventually uh, working more in LGBTQ nonprofits mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm. in advocacy. And before I went back to school, I worked for the San Diego Human Dignity Foundation, which is a grant making uh, foundation for LGBTQ uh, scholarships and um, and. Uh, different and, and services and, and things like that. Right. So, yeah, so that's what, that's what I was doing. And then I decided to go back and finish my degree and I moved to Portland and this opportunity, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in the executive director office at PDXQ center. And I think that's a pretty awesome journey. Nice. Very cool. Very right. All right. So speaking of which let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Q center. Yeah. Um, you've already, it's the, you mentioned coming up in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so not only have you come at a time when Q Center needs a strong, competent, and I would also say inspiring leader, there's a pandemic. What um, what have these first few months been like for you? I mean, where'd you start? Well, it, I mean, yeah, the first few months, of course, were really getting to know the Portland community. Got here uh, June of 2020 and uh, and took my position here October 1st of 2020. So not unlike the conversation that you and I had, there was a lot of just a lot of getting to know the community and getting to know how folks were feeling about Q Center mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and what that looked like. And also really trying to assess what we could do. And, you know, it's it's a good challenge that we've had to face when you are an organization that arguably your greatest asset is your is your building and you can't open the doors to let people into your building. What is your definition? Right. So, you know, fortunately, coming on, um, we'd already we there was already a great partnership going on with uh, Hand Up Project, uh, which does the pantry services, and I think that definitely inspired the way that we're looking at how we build Q Center or rebuild Q Center. Is you know how do we how do we make sure that we are prepared to pivot with services even when the uh, even when we can't open the doors and, and hopefully we, we won't see a pandemic like this again and once things are safe we're able to to do that but um but you know being mindful of sort of that that worst case scenario because we're, we're facing worst case scenario in a lot of a lot of aspects right now um, so I guess that's if, if you were talking about like where is Q Center and how are we envisioning Q Center? It's being very responsive to the what we have learned as far as how to make virtual spaces work, um, how to make physically distanced services work, um, and certainly the food pantry and the way that that's been set up in in a safe way where we're able to uh, get, get clients, uh, um, you know, direct bags of food is one example. I've also inherited two great staff members who are putting together projects that are looking at how do we use technology to not only re uh, recalibrate how we do work, but also increase our, uh, our reach. 
So I think that we we're going to be coming out of this with the lesson that we didn't we never had to be a Portland metropolitan area LGBTQ plus community center. We always had the capacity of being of having a statewide reach. Um, so that's that's the exciting part of what we're learning. Right on, right on. Mm-hmm. Sort of a twofold question: What are your priorities? For Q Center moving forward, not just in this year, the immediate aftermath, hopefully, mm. of the pandemic, but down the road, where where is Q Center going? I know there's there's some some pretty significant projects underway at this point. Yeah. So what I would say the the broadest vision of Q Center is to create a space that when a community member comes through the door, there are a number of services and resources available to them. Not necessarily just, here's a brochure about a thing that you can experience right. if you if you go outside, but actually working and partnering with Portland organizations who have already done the, the groundwork to understand what services are needed and, and having them housed here at Q Center. Um, the you know historically uh, one of the one of the ways that we've sort of the Q Center has populated the space has been um, having subleases with other organizations which which tended to be LGBTQ plus um, owned operated or serving um, but I don't from from what I've been able to find out archivally there has not been that necess- necessarily that intentional way of saying if we have a space. How do we leverage it toward the person who is stepping through the door and and needing something? So Mm -hmm. that's what informs the vision. Um, And a part of that, again, is the is the partnerships that we're working to either establish or reestablish with Portland queer nonprofits um, to, you know, an understanding is is does it make sense uh, for you to have a home or a satellite office here. So when someone comes in um, to get one service, they at least have access to start exploring something that could be a broader network of services and resources to them. So that's really the way that I'm looking at the community center mm-hmm. um, and especially the office spaces. And you know, a lot of the other uh a lot of the other projects we're starting to work on, um, again, some of which are my ideas, some of which are other staff members' ideas, are, uh, you know, we're talking about things like a um, putting together a small studio space where we can start doing, having opportunities for, uh, for artists and historians and individuals to tell their story and have, oh, nice. and, yeah, work with organizations like the Archive Project to, uh, you know, to work on oral histories. Um outfitting at least one of our larger meeting rooms with more with, with a with a more sophisticated zoom uh, setup so if there's so there can be better hybrid meetings whenever mm-hmm. someone can't get here whether it's that they have transportation issues or they're across the state but they're really the ones who need to have that support network how can we how can we bring them in in the best possible way that gives them uh, access remotely to what can be experienced here? Um, so I think that's probably the the second piece of uh, of what we're looking at is how do we how do we create state of the art spaces that are of service 
Mm. Not just because we want fancy new things. I mean, not that fancy new things aren't great because they're lots of fun. But how, you know, how are we looking at that very intentionally and saying the investment we make now in in upgrades and in technology, um, how can that for years down the line serve individuals um, and again and bring them into um, a virtual safe space if virtual safe space is the only thing that they will be able to to access at that moment in their life. Nice, nice. I mean, it's overall, I think this is what, I know this is what imp- has impressed me the most and, and what I've heard in other conversations is this, I've, the overly used word pivot, this <laughs> pivot toward um, like really coming from the community perspective. What is it mm-hmm. that's serving community? And and I have to say that I think people are are pretty excited about about our community center uh, centering community mm-hmm. in it. Um, so that's, I, I look forward to, uh, to everything else that comes. Um, it may be a bit too soon for this. And you kind of touched on this earlier, but what do you think, what long-term impacts do you see the COVID pandemic having on not just, not just Q center, but obviously Q center, but, but our sector, the nonprofit world in general, how we function, what our priorities are, um, how do we hold community space? How do we, you know, the, the queer community is, is, is all about being able to be together. That's, mm-hmm. that's, you know, because it's, that's, that's what brings us. That's what makes our community. Um, how do you, how do you, I guess kind of, how do you see us coming out of the pandemic and its impact on, on, all of those things, you know, one short answer, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that is the big one. And there's a, there's a very real thoughtfulness and concern about how we manage this and on, on a couple of different fronts. Um, First of all, uh, you know, I've talked about this on a couple different panels uh, that I've been that I've been on, and, and is the um, the question of are you vaccinated or not? Mm-hmm. And what that's going to look like? That is a huge philosophical question, and certainly within some of my own community groups, I'm starting to see that that conversation that is very eerily similar to how what they called sero sorting in in the in the HIV days which i more consider sero discriminating where are we go, are we going to have spaces for the vaccinated versus the non-vaccinated oh, gotcha. that's a, that, that's a really big question that mm-hmm. they, there's not enough time to answer um, so i guess what i would so what i will say is I will be working with board staff and guidelines to make sure that we open in the safest possible manner. Um, And would rather put in longer hours to give smaller number of people access as we do, as we slowly do things. And there are projects on the not too distant horizon that we do want to make sure that community members who feel safe have access to things like queer art right. um, within our gallery and things like that. So those are things that we are, we're looking at and trying to determine the safest way to do it. And if it means more effort to um, sort of 
create a controlled, slow, soft reopening. That's what we'll do. Um, but yeah, I think that's there. That's that's a big a big question that I think it's good. All of us, all of the nonprofits, especially ones that have in person. Um, uh, in-person gatherings are going to have to navigate because there's, I, I think there's still going to be a level of fear um, for individuals who may or may not show symptoms. Um, there is going to be the question of those who have been vaccinated, those who have not. Um, so yeah, I think that's where we will do as we'll do as much as we can cautiously and sensitively. But I think we will also be doing a lot. We'll continue with sort of the ideas we have to give access so like one of the examples was we you know our, one of the first things we did in november when i started was um we we have a, an art show that happened every november um so we did video uh, mm-hmm, opportunities mm-hmm. for people to see the art and the artists to speak about um and while they may not have been you know i wasn't breaking youtube with my <laughs> with my limited <laughs> video skill video editing skills but at least we have something archivally and uh, something that you know people artists were able to reach out to folks who knew them and say like oh here's the work i'm yep. doing right mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. so we'll con- we'll continue also putting in that extra effort to sort of create two pathways to access the the virtual pathway and as it becomes safe, the the face-to-face um, opportunities at Q Center. Yeah, it's um that's really that's really similar to to how Pride is having to approach. You know, Pride is a Pride is about the getting together piece. You know, it's our power in numbers. It's all of those things and figuring out what it looks like to to still be able to to be in our pride, you know, or to be in our community center, whether we're physically together or not, um, is, has been an interesting journey for sure. You know, you, you've mentioned a couple of, of significant projects and, and let's maybe expand a couple of them. Let's talk about the pantry because although the pantry might have been quote established prior to your arrival, I don't think it was that well known actually. Um, so maybe let's give us like, what, what is the pantry? What's, what's that project look like? Yeah. So, um, there's a, there's a, there's an interesting history behind the pantry that I've, I've learned myself. So it is the people's pantry, uh, which was originally from MCC church. Um, and whenever, um, some movement happened in the area, it, it didn't make sense to continue hosting it there. Mm-hmm. Um, just because because of access and I think the size of the building, so um, Hand Up Project took uh, took it on, and, and the, the mission of Hand Up Project is to uh, provide resources for um, the LGBTQ community, especially those who are experiencing houselessness. And uh, so the pantry was a great fit for them. And uh, so we now have it um, two Mondays a week at uh, at Q Center, but. We are really um, we're dedicated to the idea of having a permanent pantry that's actually embedded in Q Center that will be uh, available several days a week for individuals and is part of that idea of having like a system of, of resources that mm-hmm, if someone mm-hmm. comes in for a meeting with a case manager or a peer navigator, they can also get themselves a bag of groceries. Um, you know, let's let's make it as as convenient as possible for folks to li- to have the most robust uh, amount of resources. So we're really excited about that. We've got some grants out. It's gonna, actually going to be our big 
um, focused fundraising push uh, is to get it outfitted with good shelving and commercial refrigerators and freezers and things like that. So, um, you know, we want it to be as, again, state of the art as possible. Um, so folks are getting uh, are getting a good quality experience. And when they can finally come through the doors and do their own shopping, I think it'll actually be uh, a, a beautiful and fun experience for them. Nice. Very nice. I, I know the pantry is, is very exciting for me because it's, I, I, I think a lot of times we think about post COVID as if we're going to be okay. <laughs> and, and we weren't okay even mm-hmm. before COVID. Um, and, and food insecurity is, is huge in our community. Um, we have a lot of unhoused queer folks, first of all, and even folks who have a space to live in, um, you know, food insecurity is, is just huge here. And um, as, as welcoming, relatively speaking, as Portland is, being able to access culturally appropriate resources is as much an issue for our for our community as it is for, for any other community um, that, that is trying to access some kind of resource in a safe way. So I'm super happy to see this um, growing mm-hmm. uh, because it's just so appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. And we're excited because, you know, I think the, the conversations we often have is, you know, are the fact that we are, our priority will always be to create safe spaces for our LGBTQ plus community. But we also are are in a neighborhood that is a, is a tension mm-hmm. between have and have nots. And, you know, there's there, there's the Mississippi shopping corridor, but then there's going back a couple blocks in any direction. And, the, and it's a different story there. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, in as much as we are able to be a boon to the neighbor, to the community in which we are housed, um, you know that is. I, I I personally believe that's equally as important. Nice, very nice. Um, so let's talk a little bit of the another project, um, and I'll let you explain it because I don't want to explain it incorrectly. Uh, is this idea of a roundtable, shared calendar, yeah thing? Yes. So. I think that if we wanted to to put a broader umbrella over it, it's that we're really um, we're really committed to having community admin support, um, and I think that's probably whenever we whenever whenever I whenever I think about why why these specific aspects, LGBTQ plus centers are different in every in every city, mm-hmm. um, and. In I feel like in a city in a metropolitan area like Portland, where there are so many folks who are rooted in the city and doing work, um, especially in queer communities, the best thing that our center can be is a reflection of all of that great work and also a supporter of that great work. And to me, again, I think uh, one of the best ways that we can... um, we can create that set of support is that let people focus on the things that they do well and let there be a space that amplifies that work and makes space to connect those individuals. Um, and, and to me, again, that, that's, that should be 
uh, a guiding principle of an LGBTQ community center. So ways that we do that are the way we're, we're thinking about our staff members. Um, and we have one in particular who's really interested in taking on that task of doing uh, the connectivity and check-in with uh, LGBTQ plus serving organizations and just making sure that we've got um, an, a good and accurate vetted resource guide and also mm-hmm. bringing folks to the table so they're talking with each other and everyone has at least a working knowledge of what their neighbors are doing and how this other resource that might be 10 minutes down the road can positively impact someone that another organization is serving. Um, So really, again, centering. So if if you think of community center and you focus on the word center, how can we sort of be that, that hub in the middle that the spokes go out and, uh, you know, and, and when, the, when they're all connected well, we have that smooth running wheel. Um, so that, that's a big part of, of why we want to have this sort of network and community roundtable. And then a part of that, just logistics wise, is creating as comprehensive as possible community calendar. So folks can come to one space um, and you know it, it's a it's going to be something that's it will be a continued work in progress um, they can look under key categories to find okay today I want to look at health things because maybe I want to find out where I can get an HIV test or a COVID vaccine or a mm-hmm. flu shot um, maybe on another day they're going to come and say like hey I need to figure out all the all the possible options for me to deal with food insecurity for myself or maybe clients that I'm seeing. Right. Uh, so yeah, so that's again I think that being able to be as responsive and up-to-date resource as possible uh, should be the mission of a city's LGBTQ community center. And that's one that I'm really taking seriously because again, we don't need to invent new programs over here. Folks in Portland are already doing really, really amazing stuff. So um, just us being able to amplify and connect that work, that is, it, it, it's its own full-time job. And it's, but it's also a really, really worthy uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, undertaking. Thank you. (laughs) Deborah, giving me the words, but yes, no. So yeah, I think that's, you know, it's what we should be doing. And again, I, having, you know, having come from San Diego where I can honestly say things are a bit more the, the the systems are a bit more through the bureaucracy uh, mm-hmm. and moving to a place a place like Portland where if there's not a thing folks will make sure there's a thing um, so Very true. there's yeah there's there's so much to celebrate uh, and amplify sort of outside of the typical chains of command that you see in other cities. Um, so it's, again, it's, it's an, to me, it's an exciting project and um, I can't stress enough how warmly um, folks are welcoming this, you know, this new guy from out, from out of state <laughs> who's who plopped down in the middle of their Q center. Good, good. But, um, you know, Portland is uh, Portland can be as passive aggressive as we can be. Portland can also be really honest. So it's uh, it's good to know that uh, uh, that things are going well so far, Um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, they'll let us know if it's not. (laughs) 
Um, Ian, I'm really, I've really enjoyed being able to talk to you. I know we've talked before, um, but I'm glad that you're able to join us today and we could uh, hopefully share a bit about what's happening at Q and um, the work you're doing. And uh, what is, how do folks connect with you if they have questions and, or, you know, check to write or. (laughs) (laughs) Well, certainly um, folks can, can right now reach, the best way is to reach out to me via email, which is Ian at uh, pdxqcenter.org. For folks who are interested, interested in a longer um, chat and maybe I can get you the the link to this um, if it's possible to have it up at some point. Um, I do, I have a thing called Coffee at the Queue, which right now are virtual chats, but I allocate four hours a week to just have one hour coffee chats with community members and they're open to anybody. You, nice. you don't have to ever have given us a penny. This, this is really about not prioritizing the usual folks who get access to talk to the executive director. Um, The the idea is to create an equitable space um, where anyone can tell me what they're, what they're, uh, what they're thinking about. And one of them, I actually have a follow-up call with tonight. Who's got some great ideas for, um, you know, for uh, tiny home uh, blocks for unhoused individuals. So, it's I, I really want to encourage folks those you know those time slots are meant for people to talk to me about what they feel is needed, what they feel has been lacking. Um, so yeah, I am want to be as accessible as possible, um, you know, especially during this time when it's a little hard to connect with people. Right, right. Right on. Very nice. Um, well, Ian, thanks again for joining us. And um we look forward to to the doors opening at some oh. point, one of these days, and uh, and being able to gather again together. And in the meantime, we'll we'll gather and in all the other ways that we can. Um, thanks again. And, yeah, uh, thank you for having me. And I also can't wait till the doors open. I'm very jealous of anyone who's listening to this who has had like a fun party at Q Center. I'm I'm working here, and I haven't had a chance to have one yet. <laughs> Don't worry. It's coming. It's coming. All right. Thanks, Ian. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Pridescape, the official podcast of Pride Northwest with executive director, podcast producer, and host, Deborah Porta. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on what you heard here today and to support the work of Pride Northwest, go to pridenw.org.